Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking today on the subject, the able is willing. Everybody say the able able is is willing. willing. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about able in the Bible. I'm talking about the able. Everybody say God is able. able. You may be seated. God bless you. I'm going to give you an upbeat word for a downbeat world. An upbeat word for a downbeat world. A few years ago, former Mouseketeer, Jean Matei, 52 years old, sued Disneyland. Miss Matei sued her former employers in Disney organization after being robbed in the parking lot of Disney's Anaheim Amusement Park out at Disney World. She says that she and three of her grandchildren were held for hours by security officers being interviewed about this. And it wasn't about the robbery, it was something else. But she's asking damages because her three grandchildren saw some famous Disney characters getting out of their costumes. (laughs) The children were traumatized to discover that Disney characters weren't real, but simply human beings in disguises. Grandma needs help. Forget the lawsuit. I don't even know how it was resolved. Focus instead on the three kids. They were forced to come to grips with with what they believed about Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and all the rest of the Disney characters. They had to confess, we've got to come to grips. They're real people. There is a call today for us to come to grips about what we really believe about God. There's a call. A man with leprosy came to Jesus one day and he knelt in front of the master and he pleaded, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. First chapter of John, you'll see his story. The man knew Jesus, uh, first chapter of, pardon me, of Mark, you'll read the story. The man knew Jesus was able. He knew he was able. He had seen him heal others. He'd seen him cast out spirits. He'd seen him raise people up. He'd seen that already happen in his life. His reputation, Jesus' reputation was sore, and people were discovering that here was a man who could steal storms and tame devils, restore sight to the blind. Surely he was able to cleanse this poor man from leprosy. The man knew that Jesus was able. I wonder today if many of us understand that Christ is still able. We live in a world, folks, where we are desensitized to a point. Modern secular people have a small God and a God who is captive to his own creation. But I want to promise you, The creation can never be greater than the creator. It's true, though, the onward march of science and technology has robbed many people of their sense of wonder about the holy things of God and and the transcendence of God and the power and the grace of God. It's not that these people don't believe in God. It's that they feel they don't have much need of God any longer. See, modern medicine deals with their physical distresses. And supermarkets like H-E-B and Randall's provide their daily bread. Unless there are 
trying to cope with something unmanageable, like a fatal illness. They're, they really don't see much use in taking time for God in their life. And I don't, I don't quote this man often, but I've read from him in college. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote of a concept which he called the last man. It's very interesting. His philosophy cuts too close to home for citizens of affluent first world countries like America. According to Nietzsche, he said the last man is the man who lulled by too much comfort and affluence becomes apathetic to the world around him. So he has no passion or compassion. He rejects religion. He rejects transcendent ideals or any causes larger than his own self-interest. In fact, the last man's life consists of nothing more than sitting in his easy chair and watching the world go by. It comes close, doesn't it? It really does come close sometimes to our lives. I want to ask, have you lost the fervor? Have you lost the flavor that you once had for God? Do you have a sense of God's presence in your life every day? Or do you come to church to get filled up and then just go on empty the moment you walk out? I'm telling you, God is as close as the mention of his name today. He's walking with us. He's here in this house right now. Because he said, where my name is exalted, there will I be in the midst of my people. And this praise band and singers have exalted the name of the Lord here today. So the Lord is in the house. It does not matter if you feel him or not. The Lord's presence is in the house. The Bible said you need to reach out if happily you might find him. For he's not far from any of us. Amen. We need to get happy and find him. Little five-year-old boy named Timmy. He was a kindergarten kid. His mom didn't want him to walk to school and back alone. So she walked him the first couple of days, in fact, the first week, and he became embarrassed. He told her, said, I want to be like the big boys. I want to walk by myself. So mom asked a neighbor, her name was Mrs. Goodnest, to follow him a safe distance. And the next school day, Mrs. Goodnest had a little girl she took for a walk. Her name was Marcy. And they set out to follow the little boy. And she did this for the whole week. And a little friend said to Timmy one day, said, have you noticed there's a lady been following us this whole week? Do you know her? Timmy said, yes, I know who she is. That's Shirley Goodnest. And Timmy explained, every night my mom makes me read the 23rd Psalm. And Psalm says, Shirley Goodnest and Marcy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I guess I'll just have to get used to it. Bad pun, neat story, great theology. Some of you need to look behind you. And understand you're not walking this road by yourself. There's goodness and there's mercy following you all the days of your life. Amen. Amen. And it does not matter what you feel. It matters what is real. There is an awesome God that made this world and an awesome God that created us. And I promise you, he's not unawesome now. He is still the awesome God. Everybody say, God is with us all the days of our lives. Paul said it this way, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 3 and 20 in the NIV. In other words, he was saying, with God, you can get more than you expect. 
I love the New American Standard updated edition. Lord, that's a lot of reading there. But he said, now to him, same scripture, who is able to do, watch this, far more abundantly beyond. God, I love that. Far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I think Paul was having a little fun with these phrases in in the original language. I think he was having fun because he used a double compound word here. He makes up his own word phrase. He literally does. Paul is just creating words here. He is so caught up in the bigness and the awesomeness of God. He creates a new word phrase to make his point. He stacks these words upon each other in attempt to say, God is not big, but he is big, umundo, huge, horrific. He said, God is fan some. He said, He's all magna great, more big, fully. He said he's super beyonderful. He said he's incredible, outrageable. What he was doing, he said, I can't explain how massive and how awesome that God really is. So I'm just going to try to stack these words up on top of one another to tell you. When you think you've reached the peak of explaining him, add another adjective because he's a great, big, awesome, super, wonderful, calabrestic, expialidocious God. Hallelujah. Paul spoke nine languages and he couldn't put enough words in Ephesians 3 and 20 to describe how powerful and awesome and glorious God was. I love that. Then he writes to the Corinthians, in the second book, 6 and 12, in the message, he said, The smallness you are feeling is coming from within you. It's not God. Your lives are not small. You're just living them in a small way. Now, next Sunday, folks, is Holy Spirit Sunday at Christian Life Church. And God has sent me as a John the Baptist to prepare the way for the spirit that's going to come and baptize this congregation. And I'm going to preach today that if the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit can fall at Christian Life Church in this house. If Jesus healed people in his day, he can heal people in this day. If Jesus raised the dead in his day, he can raise the dead in this day. I know I'm preaching like an old-fashioned Pentecostal preacher right now, but I'm telling you, the miraculous God is still the miraculous God all counts. He's God. He's God. He's God. Sometimes in our modern world, we've been robbed of the sense of both God's presence and God's power. But the man who came to Jesus with leprosy came because he knew the Lord was able to cure him. I got to tell you some stories now. These are, these are faith stories. That's all they are, just faith stories, and they're true. I love this one. In the winter of 1940, Josephine Kuntz and her husband, he was a house painter and a textile worker, was temporarily unemployed. And... Uh, 
It was a difficult time for the family. And to top it all off, they had no money. And the 18-month-old daughter, Rachel, was recovering from pneumonia. And it wasn't going well. And the doctor sent a prescription out and said, I think Rachel needs to eat a boiled egg every day. But that was beyond their means. They couldn't go buy eggs. And one little neighbor came up to Josephine and said, why don't you pray for God to bring you an egg? You think that's cute. My dad used to lay hands on our car when it was low of gas and said, God, put a little extra in there. We want to go to church. I'm sorry. That's what I was raised on. I can't get away from that, okay? So Josephine said, why not just trust God? Why don't you go pray about it? Josephine went and got in the closet and wasted no time, started praying, got up from her prayer, went to the kitchen and heard a cackling sound outside in the front yard. She looked outside and there was a little fat red hen out there, out by the gate. That hen was sitting down and when she got up, she left an egg and went on squawking down the sidewalk. And Josephine went out and got that egg and boiled it and put it in her daughter's hand. Daughter ate it. Next day, same time, red, little fat red hen came by, laid another egg, same spot. She went out and got that egg. Lord, I love this. Fed that baby, did it for over seven days, perhaps about 10 days, the story said. And on the 11th day, the sky had cleared. The daughter was up and about feeling great. She had recovered from her pneumonia. The dad had gone back to work. She went to the kitchen. The hen was gone. Because God provides your needs according to his riches and glory. And there are some people that have walked in this church today that things aren't going real well with you. You've got family problems. You've got healing questions. You've got things in your life. You've got money problems. You've got, you've got marital problems. You've got some stuff in your life. But I promise you, the Lord's going to send a hen by your house. There's an egg about to come to your house. Healing's coming to your house. Because he's still an awesome God. When I was in an organization, we had a foreign mission director that came and told us young men a story. And he called the man's name, and I forgot his name. It was back when I was about 33, 34 years old when I heard this story. But I remember the, the beautiful part of it, the truth of it. A missionary, a, a Russian missionary was bringing the gospel behind the Iron Curtain, and he was caught because he was preaching the gospel. And so they, they shipped him to Siberia. They literally took him to Siberia with the clothes he had on his back, no food, no coat, no anything. And they dumped him off in the middle of Siberia, somewhere. He didn't know where he was, no compass. No way to know where he was. Just dropped him there. It was his Patmos. They knew he was going to die. They said he, he will die there. That was their will to let him die. But he, had, he fell down on his knees in the ice and the snow and started praying. And when he looked up, here came a bear. And he thought, oh God, Siberia is not bad enough. Now you're sending me a bear. Well, David whipped a bear. But he noticed the bear had something in his mouth. It was a sack lunch. You're not buying it, are you? But you'll believe these movies over here in Hollywood. But you're not buying faith. And the bear came and dropped the sack lunch right at his feet. He opened it up and it was, a, it was his lunch. It fed him for all day. When he got ready to lay down that night and it was dark, he didn't know what he was going to do. Here came that bear again. And the bear laid down like, cuddle up to me, big boy. I'm going to take care of you. 
I guess the snoring was a little bit bad on the bear, but the warmth was wonderful. Next morning, the same time, same station, the bear came and found him with the sack lunch again. Dropped the sack lunch. Next night, he warmed him while he slept during the night. God takes care of his kids. And finally, about the, about the 10th day, 11th day, he'd been fed every day and been sleeping with a bear every night. Some of you men still do that, or some of you women still do that. Sleep with a bear every night. I'm sorry, time out. But he hears a noise. He hears people talking because he's been walking around trying to find anybody, any civilization. And he walks into a logging camp. And he's greeted by a bunch of Christians that have been placed there also because of their faith. And they receive him. And they got to asking how long he'd been. He said, well, I think I've been around about 10 days, maybe 11. I've lost count. But he said, I've been taken care of. They said, really, how? He said, well... A bear, believe it or not, has been bringing me a sack lunch every day. You're still not buying it. And these loggers said, sir, now we understand. That bear comes here every morning and gets one of our sack lunches. (laughs) And they brought him in. He was spared. He's still preaching the gospel today. Because God took care of him with a wild bear bringing him sack lunches every day in Siberia. Here's what I'm telling you. When you talk about this God, you can't say little God, little God. You can't say little G. He's a great big God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He looks at you and says, what cancer? He looks at you and says, what heart condition? I am the God that heals everything in your life. I'm preaching a little bit right now. I love the story about the mentally impaired teenagers that were in this class taught by a particular man. And he didn't see their limitations. He saw their capabilities. So he taught him how to play chess and he taught him how to restore furniture and repair electrical appliances. And most important, he taught him how to have faith. And one of the students named Bobby soon proved that he had learned the last lesson well. He had learned faith. One day he brought in a broken toaster to repair in the class. And he had the broken toaster under one arm and he had a half a loaf of bread under the other arm. Because he knew when that toaster got fixed, he going to have him some toast. Now, I want to tell you something. You may have something broken under this side. I'm putting some bread under this side. Because I want you to understand that anything broken in your life, God's going to repair. And you're going to eat the good things of God the rest of your life. Let me tell you something right now. The Holy Ghost is in this house. The Holy Spirit's in this house. The Holy Spirit's in this house. And this church needs to get excited right here in the middle of summer about an awesome God. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. The man with leprosy knew that he was able. He just wanted to know if he was willing. Is Jesus willing? Mark tells us that he knelt in front of the master and pleaded, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing. Jesus was able, but did he really care about the leper's suffering? Did he really care? Lots of great needs in the house, but does God really care? 
would Jesus take time for him? And I know there's some people in this house that's saying, you know what? I don't want to even bring my need to the Lord because, you know, I got too much junk in my life. I read a book one time, How Good Do You Have to Get to Get God? God is not about you getting good to get him. He's about bringing your need to him and letting him supply your need. That's the kind of God we preach about because we preach grace in this house. You can't get good enough to get him. You get God to get good. Amen. 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 I love Charles Dickens, and I read A Tale of Two Cities. It was a story about two different men. One was named Charles Darnay, and the other was named Sidney Carton. And Charles Darnay was an innocent man, an innocent Frenchman, who ended up the victim of the excesses of the French Revolution. He had been sentenced to die by the guillotine. And Sidney Carton was, a, on the other hand, lived a, very, a life very much without even a conscience in his life. Anything he wanted to do, he did. And Charles Darnay was sentenced to die, and Sidney Carton was outside the prison walls, although he was a rank blank sinner. And nor Darnay's fate, Carton decided upon a scheme to save his friend. He decided to exchange places with Darnay to sacrifice himself for the life of a man he knew to be innocent. And the night before the execution, Carton entered the prison for a final visit with Darnay, and he drugs him. It's in the story. He drugs him, changes clothes with him, and ushers him out of the prison. And the inattentive guards never, never even pay attention. And the next day, Carton... Carton faces the guillotine, and a frightened young girl looks on his face searching for bravery, and she recognizes that it's not Darnay. And astonished, she asks, are you dying for him? And Carton answers, and for his wife and for his child. And thus Sidney Carton climbed the stairs to his death. He died thinking, it is a far better thing I do than I have ever done. Is it possible for one person to care that much for another person? Yes, throughout history, people have laid down their lives for others. We have had people give their lives for our freedom. There's walls with their names on them. But notice this, Sidney Carton laid down his life for someone whom he knew to be innocent. But when Jesus took a cross up Mount Calvary on our behalf, he knew that we were all guilty. Anybody can lay their life down for somebody that they love, but when they are unlovable and when they're unredeemable, And when nobody wants them, who will lay down their life for them? I preach a gospel today to everybody in this house that it doesn't matter what sin you carry in your life. There is a Savior that went to the cross for you and He died for you and He wants you to find Him because you can't get good enough to get God but His blood cleanses you from all sin. Somebody help me preach right now. I feel the Lord in this house. He died for your sin. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Mark tells us that filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I'm willing. Be clean. And immediately Mark tells us the leprosy left him and he was cured. What an upbeat word for a downbeat world. Christ is able. And he is willing. Hallelujah. 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 I want to ask, are we willing? Are we able? You know, the only thing that Jesus did, he told the man, go see the priest and show him because he's going to do the the remedy from Leviticus 14. He's going to take you through the cleansing process. But he said, don't tell anyone what you have done, what has happened to your life. Really? (laughs) You're telling me not to tell anybody? Sorry, Jesus, i got to break that command, buddy. 
Because you know, I understand what leprosy is, see. Leprosy is a bad thing. It's one of the worst diseases that plagues humankind. Lepers were exiled to the desert and the trash heaps outside the city. No well person could come or come and touch or even stand near a leper for fear of becoming unclean. The threat of uncleanness from lepers was so great that we read in Leviticus 14 that lepers' houses were taken apart and destroyed. Don't tell anybody. You're telling me don't tell anybody? Don't tell anybody when I, don't, I get my family back. I can have my business back. I can have my life back. You're saying don't tell anybody? The thing that crushes me about church many times is that we walk in here and we give bigger applauses at concerts to Adele. We give bigger, give bigger hand claps at political party rallies. I'm here to declare to you right now the one that needs the greatest applause in all the world is the one that was willing and is able to save you. To save you. I want a little time to minister today in the Lord. I close. There's a beautiful story in Second Chronicles about the children of Moab and the children of Ammon that attacked the children of Israel, the children of God. Things have been going good for the children of God, and they'd kind of, you know, realize, you know, we we have this ark and we have this glory and we have the blessing and we can just whip anybody and we're the deal. No, we're not the deal. He's still the deal. And all of a sudden, the children of Mount Seir came and joined. There's the, Haggai, the shaggy and hairy ones. And they joined in. They wanted to take down Israel. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, God, Lord, we're challenged here. Yeah, that's what happens when you're challenged because we want to make it by ourselves until we're challenged. But we need to understand we need God every day. So Jehoshaphat gets on his knees and said, God, I need a little help. What, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God, I need help. We don't have enough warriors. We ain't got enough people. These, they're, they're, they're mighty armies. They're awesome. They're coming all the way from Egypt. What are we going to do? And God said, get you some singers. Get you some praisers. What? God, you don't understand. We need manpower. Did you hear me? Get you some people that know how to praise the Lord. Because I promise you, if somebody will praise me, I can fix it. And he taught them one phrase. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And they went in that valley to fight the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the children of Mount Seir. And didn't have to raise one weapon because they didn't have any except their praise and their worship. And God set ambushments and those people were destroyed and they were taken down. And the Bible said they renamed the valley in verse 26 of chapter 20. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka. 
where they praise the Lord. This is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. It doesn't mean the Valley of War. It means the Valley of Blessedness. Listen to me. When you recognize how great God is in your life and you start praising that great big God, He'll change the name of your valley. He'll change the name of your position in life. He'll change the name of your hope. He'll change the name of your destiny. He'll say, this is a valley of Baraka, a valley of blessedness and a valley of worship and praise. My, my, my. Here's what I'm begging this congregation to do on the middle Sunday of July of 2016. Become praisers. Get up every morning and say, you're the big deal, God. I'm not. He loves to hear that he's the big deal because he already knows it. But he loves to hear that he's the big deal. It's not just serving God in an emergency. Come here, butler, and take care of me. Come here, servant, take care of me. No, no, no. It's serving God when all things are well. And saying, you're the big deal in my life. And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you praise. You hear me when I tell you, if this church comes in next Sunday on fire for God, David... David Hall is going to have the time of his life. The Holy Spirit's going to fall in this house. And the presence of God is going to baptize people. And it's not going to be goofy. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. It will not traumatize you. It'll make you smile and say, Howdy ho. It sure feels good to be in the presence of God. I close. I love Jack Buck's call when Mark McGuire hit the last home run that broke Roger Maris's record, although he was on performance-enhancing drugs. The home run to break the record, this is what Jack Buck said. I met Jack. Jack was my buddy. And he said on the radio, pardon me, folks, while I stand and applaud. Mark McGuire exceeded the expectation. We would have never dreamed that a baseball player could hit that many home runs in a single season. <laughs> then he stopped and he paused. He said, when, when you are in the presence of exceeded expectations, you've got to stand and you've got to applaud. Now, Mark McGuire's not going to walk through that door. But the presence of the Lord has already walked through that door. I wonder if somebody would like to stand and applaud the one that has exceeded our expectations. Come on. Just stand up all over the house and applaud. He has exceeded our expectations. He has exceeded our expectations. <laughs> he has exceeded our expectations. Come on. Come on, praise him. Raise your voice and praise him. Raise your voice and praise him. Raise your voice and praise Him. <laughs> Woo! You just got to stand and applaud when somebody is in your presence that has exceeded expectations. I want our prayer team to come. We have a little time here. I want to thank our music and Brother Brad for giving me a little more space in this second service. I wanted to minister and I want to have time to do this right here. 
And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.